1: my lizards and jellyfish to yet another episode of the Bobo and Flex show my name is Bobo and I am your host and I'm with the beautiful Flex I am your resident optimistic nihilist reminding you every day that the end has arrived and it's time to get your titty sucked and today's a special episode we're actually doing a reflex Q&A because it's social isolation season social distancing (laughs) season quarantine season so of course we're playing reflex flex how are I, you today
2: i can't wait till it's been like 10 years and there's like a, a generation who like doesn't remember how i guess consuming the rony was and pretends it like wasn't a big deal i know And they make fun <laughs> of us for social isolating <laughs> i cannot yes. wait they're like Ugh, mom won't stop talking about the rony like we get oh, it Oh, that'll be
1: me that'll be me I'll be like, when I was your age, I was dying, bitch.
2: Oh, gosh. Okay. This is a good one. Mm. This is a good one. All right. Question number one. Oh, also, for those of you who don't know what Reflex is, because I have this presumption that if you listen to this podcast, then you must follow us both on social media, and I've come to find out that's not the case. Isn't that interesting? People just know us from the podcast, which I love because before it would have been like, oh, haven't I seen you like on MTV? Like, not really sure. Like my personal favorite when I leave the house and I'm at a music gig is, are you lizard? So So interesting. So it's so glad that people know us for us. But what do you think their
1: perception of you is? like someone oh, who look. just knows you from the podcast that's so interesting
2: imagine if people could like write a character profile about us purely based on what oh they my know God. about us from the podcast.
1: yeah can someone please do it in our facebook group <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: so interesting we want first impressions
1: yeah like what was I, your first impression
2: i feel like people always think i'm more um Rude and mean than I am. Like I get yeah. some messages and people think I have no house training. I'm oh, like, my God. oh I would never say that to someone. Just like somebody will will share, let's say, like a meme of like somebody being just very sassy. Like you know those memes that go around about yeah. how like you know you're gonna go around to someone's house and like you know get them to eat you out and then just go home because yeah, you're a bitch. like just a like, savage. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's no. <laughs> like number no, one, I'm not leaving noticed. my house. <laughs> number <Yeah>. two. <laughs> i have a vibrator like i'm not doing that but yeah i think it's everyone thinks i'm super savage and i have no house training which i think is super interesting um and everybody thinks bobo is soft and has no backbone which is so crazy they think she's some glitter fairy who's like oh i'm hurt life is hard no way bobo is a drill sergeant We've been in training.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, it's also why I think it's so interesting because, like, to me, you're a jelly, a jelly bean. <laughs> like, you're literally just like a soft little <laughs> teddy bear. I'm
2: soft. <laughs>
1: they don't know. They but yeah, know. I do get someone. I saw uh, it was like kind of a mean comment about me on Twitter about me being naive, and I'm just like, okay.
2: What do you think untrue?
1: Yeah. But yeah, I guess no one's opinion or perception of us is our business anyway. So Yeah, right. It is what it is.
2: That's it. So yes. So Reflex is a game that I made. It's a critical thinking card game, and I made it for one of three reasons. The first one was that when we started this podcast and a lot of the conversation was about dating and how to, you know, pick the right partner and how to have, you know, better conversations. People would ask, you know, how can we have the same conversations you're having on the podcast in real life? Can you give us some questions to ask? I did that for a bit. The second thing was that people didn't understand what it was to critically think. And it was a concept that I thought was clear to people who listen to the podcast, but it's not. And critical thinking is the idea, is the ability to look at an idea or a concept from all sides, all possible sides, not just the side you prefer or the side you believe in. And Mm. I think that, you know, it's hard to be completely objective when you're talking about yourself. But the way we integrate critical thinking with asking questions about yourself is that you're able to kind of um, interrogate, you know, what you think, why you think it, and what's informed the way you think, right? That, I think, is way more important than you just answering questions. So I guess when people pick up the game, they're like, these questions are so easy. They are if you're not analyzing them. So the first question we're going to, answer or ask and I'm using the second deck which is the blue and yellow one question number one Bobo what did you learn too late in life
1: Ooh, oh my god I love this question what did I learn too late in life um so you know first I have to really think about this one
2: I would say and it's really interesting because <laughs> mine's a silly one but yeah I think that I learned to drive too late in life
1: Mm, there was I'm still I learning feel like,
2: yeah <laughs> I'm still learning I have a very warped perception of adulthood and what I perceive to be like necessary like skills and traits to have and things that are quite unnecessary yeah and the way I viewed it if I can get if I can if I can outsource a certain skill quite comfortably or easily then I don't need to learn it for myself
1: mm. so
2: you know like with doing my hair right it was so hard to get somebody to do like black African hair in a way that wasn't like bush <laughs> um, yeah. in Sydney. So I had to learn how to do my hair. That was a necessary skill for me, right? Um, I had to learn how to do my own wigs, my own weaves, how to corner my own hair, necessary. Driving to me didn't make a lot of sense because I lived I'm the in- the same. Like I lived like maybe a 10 minute max drive from the city. All of my closest friends had cars. Uh, I was- we had uber and or, or even when we didn't have uber where we were going it was so easy to access yeah. that to me buying a car paying for registration paying for insurance paying for all petrol this all just seemed nonsensical to me because yeah, i yeah. moving and being mobile was facilitated by everybody around me but then i get to like adulthood and like i remember around 24 or 23 i was like oh there are places i want to go that i can't just go because i don't have the means mm. so if i wanted to go buy a fucking cupboard from ikea well then i had to go to ikea but then would the uber driver take it maybe not and like my mom's busy and can i really ask a friend to take time off their shit to go accompany me it was all this yeah. stuff and then it was things like i like going to farm airbnb so like driving two or three or three and a half hours out in any direction and just staying in like a nice airbnb that's on a farm with farm animals And I could only do that with people who could drive. But what about if I wanted to go alone and just be in solitary? I didn't have the option. So suddenly there was a need that I couldn't fulfill. And then, you know, suddenly I, you know, I'm going to go like, I'm getting, I got a car, I got my license, getting my license or whatever. But I learned it too late because I didn't, I couldn't objectively see like the, the benefit of having a skill, like for having a skill's sake. And so much of how I was navigating life was like, if I can't use this skill right now, then there's no point in learning it. Which is just really bad. That is exactly,
1: that's honestly exactly (laughs) how I felt. Like
2: literally to the T. (laughs) It's so silly.
1: Yeah, no, to the T. Yeah, I relate to that too. I mean, before living in New York, I used to live in LA. And it was during that time when I was learning how to drive. And then I moved to New York on a whim. And it was yeah like literally halfway through my driving lessons and like getting my learners I just moved and then I just dropped and I was like well I don't need to know how to drive in New York so like Mm -hmm. never mind (laughs) and now I'm just like uh let me actually get my license properly (laughs) because I'm trying to move again if the world doesn't end this year so yeah (laughs) literally
2: (laughs) see how you go what else do you have anything else I think I learnt, um, I've learned yeah. heaps far too late
1: yeah same
2: I, learning how to be vulnerable as mm-hmm. opposed to just oversharing
1: Ooh, I think is a
2: really fine line for me because I'm happy. oversharing
1: talk- or undersharing are you more prone to oversharing or more prone to undersharing
2: I'm more prone to undersharing, but when I was learning what vulnerability was, I was internalizing that as just t- like, tell everybody everything, okay, just share, just be really yeah. candid and really open. And that's the equivalent of being vulnerable. I see. Um, and the way I've, uh, interpreted it is oversharing is sharing without consequence or without, um, with, with no stakes. So like you might share something that seems a bit, you know, a bit, uh, what's the word um what can I think of this word? Like a bit controversial, yeah. but if the stakes aren't high then like, that's just oversharing. So if I was saying to you, like, oh, I just came off my period, someone might say, oh, my goodness, like, she's so vulnerable and open. But no, the stakes weren't high. You know I yeah. get my period. So, like, yeah. Yeah. You, would, you would put two and two together. But if I was saying something like, oh, you know, I really struggle with, you know, building a connection with men because I didn't grow up with a lot of men in my life and those who I did grow up with were family and cared for me. So if men don't care for me, I assume they're the devil. Like, that's far more vulnerable than, like, oh, I just came off my period period. I just fucked three guys. See? So when I was first trying to figure out the difference, I was like, but is there even a difference? Just tell people anything. And then, you know, they can internalize that as you being an open bitch. But I really think there's so much more power in sharing things when the stakes are much higher, when there is an impact, like when the impact of sharing can be either negative or positive, but you do it anyway yeah, for the sake of just being like, quote unquote, true that I feel like, I think
1: I relate to that, too. I think I do that when I like when I meet people for the first time, I really enjoy asking people not necessarily controversial questions, but questions that catch people off guard Mm. just because I feel like it loosens people up. But there is a fine line to be drawn there between like, am I oversharing or am I being vulnerable and open? Mm -hmm. And most of the time it works, but there's definitely been times when like I've made people uncomfortable because it wasn't (laughs) the right time and place. But like, I feel you on that. Um, Yeah, I think for me, something that I've learned, I think I have two things. Two things that I've learned too late in life The first is specific to me, which is that I think I learned too late in life, the difference between what I want versus what society wants from me. And specifically, I'm referring to my relationship with money. Like I think I've only recently, and by recently, I mean in the past like year or in the past year and a half, only recently realized that I actually don't care to be rich But because I've grown up in such a, in kind of a really like serious family, like very like business and like politics that I just took on the role of like, I'm going to continue this family legacy or not really legacy, but like, I'm also going to be a businessy person and like pursue money only to realize that I actually don't care to be in the rat race. Like I actually... (laughs) I feel pressured to care about money when in reality, I just want to do hood rat shit with my friends. <laughs> like that's, so yeah, that's something I learned too late. Why and do I think, you think
2: it was too late though? Like why, because, did, why wasn't this the perfect time to learn that?
1: Well, I guess all, every time is the perfect time really. Cause like what is time? But also I think, I think it feels like it was too late because I feel like I could have structured my life. Like I went to business school, um, which was kind of a waste of time. Well, it wasn't because nothing's a waste of time. But if I had known, if I had been more self-aware earlier, I could have made decisions that I'm now having to make right now about my career and my path in life and, and, and. Mm -hmm. And like, it's like small lifestyle things like, I love living in New York, but me five years ago thought that living in New York would be permanent. Whereas me now knows that I have about a year of New York left in me. Then I have to go like live somewhere chill. Um, yeah, it's just like things like that. I don't think I would have pursued being an influencer. I do. I don't have any regrets in life at all, but I think... If I was more self-aware when I was 18, because that's when we're all forced to make decisions about our future, which is absurd, then I could have saved myself a lot of heartache and stress. And then I think another thing that I learned too late is that school is actually just a waste of time. Like, (laughs) I think I was really lucky in that I didn't have to take out student loans but actually, let me let me reframe that so that people don't come for my neck. I think school <laughs> is valuable to learn, but I used to think that school was a tool to enhance your career. And now I know, unless you're a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer where like you're going to school for a specific skill in that way, you really don't need to go. like if you're trying to be a filmmaker, bitch, don't go to film school. Just watch YouTube videos and make films. Like, use that money to invest in equipment and make movies. Like, if you wanna be a musician, bitch, why go to music? Like, why go to art school? Just make music. Like, invest in your art. Like, a lot of the shit that you learn in uni, you could just learn on YouTube. Mm. And also, the benefit of uni for me was just connections. But outside of that, like, it really is a waste of time and money.
2: Yeah. And I guess because, I mean, I have, I dropped out, i dropped out so many times, but um, yeah. I have an inclination to apply myself mm. as an adult. So if I want to do something, I'll just do it. But I know for a fact, a lot of people don't. And I feel like the, um, that sort of journey of application gets really drilled down to you in school where you have to get yeah. a brief, do the work, hand it in, or there are consequences and I f- believe that without those consequences or without that rigidity, people just won't do. So school do is a good so? way to kind of like realize like whether or not you have the range or the energy to like do the things that you actually want to do. Mm. I often is, find that in my life, the barriers to entry are me versus external.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But is that lesson worth $60,000 a year?
2: Do you I mean, it depends I mean? if you're going to make it back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to make it back. It's no problem. I mean, and it, like everything is priceless if you gain, like, you going to school to learn that you didn't need to go to school is a lesson in itself. Facts, facts. So yeah, I mean, yeah. like, how much money you want to apply to learning that lesson? Yeah. Um, is probably indicative of how much you learnt in that time, right?
1: <laughs> fact. I also think if I were to have kids now, like if someone put a gun to my head and forced me to have kids, I wouldn't take them to school simply because I'd have them homeschooled in a really, really specific way simply because I think that all the shit that we're taught in school is like decades behind what is needed for society. Mm. So I feel like the kids, the shit that kids are like, I look at my nieces and nephews and I'm like, Oh, everything you niggas are learning, like all these skills they're trying to teach you will be outsourced to robots what are you why are they wasting your time you know what I mean like I feel like critical thinking and philosophy and like creativity and imagination like those like those intangible skills are the ones that should be emphasized in our education system but instead our education system strips us Mm. Of all of the creativity and imagination and critical thinking. Like I I almost feel like school makes people dumber. Or makes people dumb. Like we're brought into the world so creative and open and imaginative. And then we're thrown into these prisons. And made to sit on a chair for like eight hours a day. And being forced to regurgitate information that we'll never need. Mm. And being forced to to be like turned into sheep I don't know like I find the education not education because I love learning but the education system so prison-like and poisonous
2: do you also think it's because the whole I like the way the way we're meant to utilize institutionalized education is in addition to additional learning like a lot of us are expecting Mm. to become whole people from just sitting in a class with 30 other people who are nothing like us you know just like swallowing up this bland very one-dimensional information and then not doing the extra learning. Perhaps if I did my homework, I would understand the difference between analysing and describing when I was 16 in school, but I just didn't get it because I didn't do any work outside of what was being taught to me. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, that's real. That's real as well. Yeah. Yeah, I I guess it's also that we, in addition to that, the fact that we we equate being... we equate being academically inclined to being intelligent, when mm-hmm. really the two are very different. And there's a lot of people. So I naturally am really, really bad at school, but I think I'm relatively good at existing because I was bad at school. And I think yeah. a lot of a lot of times people who excelled academically really struggle adjusting to like real life because real life isn't structured the way that academia is like there's no schedule there's no graduation there's no grade one grade two grade three there's no deadline for anything like there's just life is so structureless inherently and capitalism is so is literally like the antithesis of academia yeah i find that capitalism and academia two constructs that i hate (laughs) they work against each other In like really fascinating ways, but yeah, it is true. Of like, there's a difference between the education system versus educating yourself. Yeah, and you should be educating yourself. Like, I think learning should be eighty percent self education and then twenty percent the education system. Yeah, or some ratio like that. There's
2: like a lack of incentive with self education, Mm -hmm. especially when you're when you're like. in in school going years, right? Like you're dumb or you're smart. You just like, you're just trying to get through it so you can see your friends.
0: And even if you
2: are dumb, you're still elevated. Uh, You still get to like mingle with the smart kids. You still get to be friends with the (laughs) smart kids. That kind of intellectual divide happens when you're an adult. When you realize that if you don't have the range, you can't connect with people like you want to. You can't go to the places that you want to go to. You can't date the people you want to date, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, So the stakes are so
2: much higher. To be smarter when you're an adult. -hmm. Yeah,
1: that's real. There's also just... Like, for me, when I was in school, I didn't realize that I actually enjoyed learning because I found school so boring. Mm. It's only, like, after school that I really got interested in physics and philosophy. And, like, I just... I was a bookworm before, but I was just reading, like... I don't know, just reading, like, the shit in the library. But, like, after... After school, like I'm I got I became so much more curious because I didn't have to. I wasn't wasting brain space with things that I'm forced to memorize. And now I can use that brain space for like ideas and creativity. I also don't believe in memorizing like I'm very against. I think it's a waste of brain space.
2: I've never thought about it at length.
1: Yeah. All
2: right. See, Next this is what I'm talking about. We just spent 22 minutes answering one question. This I know, right? This is how your right? reflex game should go: tangent on tangent on tangent. If you are one finishing leave. a question within minutes, like two three minutes, yeah, you're not you didn't doing go, right.
1: you didn't go deep, yeah, you didn't go deep. What, what even um, was the original question?
2: Um, what did you learn too late in life? Oh yes, yeah, it all applies. I asked uh, my Instagram the other day, and there were some funny ones, like you know, knowing that the way you use a bobby pin is bumpy side down, not straight side down. I'm like, that's true. I only learned that in adulthood.
1: Really? Wait. Because mm-hmm. the bumpy mind? side has the grip. Oh. And the straight side is for God. aesthetic.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to jump out the window. Like I... They
2: really want to entrap us. They really want to make wow. us dumb. <laughs>
1: <laughs> After my 30 minute rant about how school makes you dumb. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and just soft skills like I feel like you know soft skills like active listening Yeah, I probably learned a bit too late yeah, um, <laughs> yeah and
1: learning how to love you know yeah that mm-hmm. should have been a class because as soon as we're done with school we realize how hard relationships are and yeah. like in ways that they just don't need to be mm-hmm mm-hmm we should have been taught how to love in grade one <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah that's sweet i mean those kids probably already know yeah
1: i feel like kids nowadays are enlightened like they just hop out the womb have you heard of indigo children no it's apparently there's like i don't know if this is true or not it could
2: just be a conspiracy theory i feel like that's Ro you know that singer rory he calls himself an indigo child but i don't know why you tell oh, me oh
1: it's so basically yeah it's like willow smith and jaden yeah. they like call themselves indigo children yeah um they're basically thought to be like a very small percentage of kids gen z mm. that are just born like hyper hyper empathetic and hypersensitive you're basically born with your third eye wide open like wow
2: put me on <laughs> you just be knowing um, imagine raising an indigo child you'd be like mind your business <laughs> like
1: something to that effect they're also hella depressed and like oh yeah so that'll do it you know intelligence will do that to you
2: it honestly it really will all right are you ready for your next question i'm ready okay what are the characteristics of people that you dislike
1: Ooh, um i think number one is people who aren't curious But I think that's because I don't understand. I don't... I think there's certain people in the world who are very easily engaged. Like, it doesn't... Like, there are people who are... Like, their brains are engaged just waking up in the morning. You go to your job, you come home, you watch TV, and you sleep. And that is enough mental cognitive engagement for their brain. And outside of, like, time constraints... I don't understand why people don't read and like listen to podcasts and like research and learn and ask people qu- like that to me blows my mind even though I know that's the majority of human beings. Yeah. I I hate it. Like I can't stand it. Um mm-hmm. what about you?
2: Um See, it's a tricky one because When I made this question, I Mm. purposely didn't say, you know, what are some, like, characteristics that, like, rub you the wrong way? Like, dislike is a bit more intentional. Yeah. And I, I, when I would answer this question earlier, I would say, do I dislike the characteristic in itself, or is that in conjunction with the person it's coming from?
0: And Mm. usually it's in
2: conjunction with the person it's coming from. So I know that, like... I know a lot of people who are obnoxious, right? Okay. <laughs> Which yeah. is fine because half of them I'm like, oof, you I don't mess with. But the other half, there's just, it's it's endearing and it's, I can understand it. And so I guess one would be like, I just, it's like, I don't know how to explain it. People who exist in a victim state mm. and this is not a victim state by circumstance, a victim state by mentality where mm. in
0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: You know, that are new or um, unknown or uncomfortable or difficult, they'll lean into victimizing themselves to gain some power. So like, you know, if I had like friends who'd be like, Like, let's say friends who are like dating, right? Dating is Mm. difficult. We all know it's uncomfortable, but we'll, we'll, we'll say things like, Oh, you know, I'm single because, you know, um, I've been through a lot uh, as a child and, and people don't really see me and I'm always having to give 110% and I'm attracting people oh, so you know, no who want to use me. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I, these are things that are all valid but can you reclaim some of your power in what you're doing yeah. as well? Can you acknowledge that dating is difficult for all people yeah. and that there's power in what you're doing? So, and it's it's a very minor thing and I feel like all of us can lean into a victim state when we are feeling vulnerable and insecure mm. but there are people that I encounter where everything's got to be like why it's much harder for them or you know why it will never be easy or why you'd never understand or and it's like "Mm, mm, mm, mm." yeah
1: I see what you mean I think it is like I think for a lot of people that becomes their identity Mm -hmm. I don't know you get it like victimhood can be really just a really comfortable space because it doesn't require any work yeah you know
2: and I guess anytime I see it in the person, I'm like oh, I know what this is about to be. Yeah, it's about to yeah. be, you know, the oppression Olympics. And I was gonna
1: say, I think that's why it gets annoying because they try to compete with you.
2: Yeah, it's, it's like, like, like when
1: you tell what? someone, oh, "I'm so tired today. I had a really mm. long day." They're like, "Well, I slept at two a.m. Like,
2: yeah, I only got fish, three hours sleep. Can you relax? <sighs> <laughs> I say I'm more prone to disliking characteristics in extroverts rather than introverts. Really? Yeah, because it's really interesting. I used to really... um, Oh, I agree. Yeah. Really pride myself on being a textbook extrovert. Just being like, you know, the first one in, last one out, the first one with a joke, the first one to tell a conversation, the first one to speak, the first one to react. Just making sure that I was seen and heard and observed. Um. Because I don't know, it's kind of like, you know, let's say you sit, if you're sitting at a table with four people um, and the conversation was lulling, I'd be like, no, I've got to, I've got to save this conversation. Yeah. Or like, yeah. if the phone is ringing, I've got to be the one to answer it. And it's, there was a certain amount of immaturity there where I just couldn't sit in just being that I had to keep reminding mm-hmm. people that I was interesting and I had stories and so on and so forth. Um, and then a little bit of introspection and you start to realize like, okay, like, People won't forget you if you shut up for five minutes. It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Like people won't, you will not be forgotten. Um, and so having that revelation was pretty like character affirming. So when I see textbook extroverts behaving in that way, I'm always presuming that they're overcompensating. Mm, And I'm like, oh, like just chill like, what's you know like here? we yeah. see you and we hear you and it's okay like you don't have to yell at me for me to know that you're here you yes. don't have to say the joke three times like I heard <laughs> it the first time it didn't hit <laughs> so I don't know it's like it's not it's not even extroverts generally because extroverts have range but it's textbook extrovert extrovert behavior yeah that, that just sounds reeks like of insecurity
1: yeah that sounds like a lack of self self-awareness mm. like you know when people who- like people who are loud in the wrong context. You yeah, know what I mean, like people who are loud like in the bank, in her, loud yeah. at the post office.
2: You're like, Shh. Like, You're bitch, this is a Wendy's. Like that. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, but that, yeah, that one's. A, I don't know. That one's. That feels like a like I'm projecting almost. Yeah, you know, like that's not that one feels like a me problem and not an other person problem. So, like, I'm aware of, like, situations where I'm like, you just need to mind your business. Like, let people talk loudly in the sells. restaurant. Let people tell their jokes three times. Like, it's not that big of a deal. But I feel like I'm just a bit more forgiving to the plight of being an introvert. Like, I'm not one. I feel like I've that's so tried to train myself to be one because I can appreciate when you have time to just be with your own thoughts, like the time mm-hmm. you don't spend performing for other people, you have time to just like think about what you want and what you th- yeah. feel. And so when I'm encountering an introvert, I'm like, okay, I can, I, like I commend you I for can being outside of your depressing. comfort zone. I'm yeah. more likely to praise an introvert than an extrovert. But
1: That's so interesting. I think I have a similar distaste, which is like kind of opposite to that. But I... This is gonna sound strange, but I'm not a fan of people who are like overly positive all the time. Ooh, It's, it's really yeah. dubious to me. <laughs> it's really like, mm. there's something really eerie about people who, I remember- Does it feel um, dismissive?
2: Is that what it is?
1: It doesn't feel dismissive. It feels, um, not dismissive. It feels escapist in Mm. a way that's like unhealthy so I remember asking someone like just to check in I was like how are you doing during this time like are you okay and they were like I think everything is gonna be fine this is just a transition and I'm just really happy to see everyone coming together for the elderly and (laughs) and there's something about that that I'm just like you're allowed to be I also can't I can never tell when people who are positive a hundred percent of the time are being performative Mm. or if they genuinely live in, in the clouds. Like, do you genuinely live in a state of delusion? Because I also think that suffering is necessary. And I think that like acknowledging the duality of existence is necessary. And like, that's like the undulations of life. Let's acknowledge. I think in the same way where like people who live on, outside of like clinical depression or like mood disorders, like if you tend to live on the side of misery all the time, I think that's just as bad as living on the side of positivity all the time.
2: Yeah, and I see that.
1: it's yeah. I'm just I'm just not. A, I just can't. I also just think like there's an inability to read the room in that sense, like. If I was grieving, for example, I wouldn't want positivity in that moment. You know, like there are times when I just want someone to empathize with my anger or my frustration. Or like, I don't know, sometimes it's not even that deep. It's like my boyfriend cheated on me and I just want you to be like, yeah, that nigga ain't shit. I don't need to hear, well, don't worry. He was probably just going through some things and, you know, people just aren't perfect. Like I just, <laughs> I had a friend like that once, like in college, I remember getting assaulted and like telling her like what this guy did. And her response was very much like, well, I know he's a really good guy at heart and I just don't want you. And I just Ooh. was like, you need to fuck off. Like this is not, bitch, this is not the time, you know?
2: That's hectic.
1: Yeah. So I'm not a fan. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I would say another one that grinds my gears is people who default to being passive even when they know it's like not in their best interest. And Mm. to me, I feel like there's an element of like, is it passivity? Anyway, there's an element of being passive where it's for your best interest and for the interest of those around you. And sometimes when passive like i don't mind indifference because when people actually don't care they don't care and that's yeah. so fine with me so like some people are just indifferent about where they want to eat like i really don't care you pick whatever yeah. that's fine yeah. but passive where like you're in a position where the stakes aren't high for you to you know voice what you need voice what you want oh, or change I the dynamic can, yeah and you still annoying. default to discomfort so like you know perhaps we're in a restaurant
1: and oh my god you know yeah, you've
2: ordered yeah. your burger with no meat you know you you just got the cheese and burger, you said no meat, meat. Yeah. and it's come with me like oh i guess, I guess I'll, just, I'll just eat it i'll, I'll just no, eat it. and bitch. it's like no just let her know it's simple she just says everything okay with your meal and you'll lie no yeah,
1: no and have you ever gotten dragged for being that because per- i'm that person who'll return and i know i'm oh, gonna get dragged look. i will return mm-hmm. i said no cheese bitch i said i'm <laughs> vegan
2: and so especially in an environment it. like a restaurant where it's like, it's not volunteer work. You're paying yeah. for the meal.
1: Yeah, like I'm going <laughs> to tip
2: you. Like, it's okay. Um, and it's 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 an interesting one because like, I, I, I've I been trying to understand that like, number one, not everybody has the confidence to say how they feel and it's yeah. a skill and you've got to train it. Yeah. But if you have the gumption to tell me that you're uncomfortable about a scenario that's happening outside of our dynamic, then like bring in some of that comfort and tell the person how you're feeling. Because what I often find is that like people who are passive to a fault are also not taking responsibility for that. And suddenly it's everybody else's fault. Mm. So what I would hate the most is if let's say we're in this restaurant, you've ordered the cheeseburger, no meat it's come with meat. You're like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine, don't worry about, don't worry about whatever. And then we go and see our other friends, and now you're having a bitch about how this girl gave you food with me and it ruined your meal. And it's that like, is- and
1: nah.
2: <laughs> 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 that oof, let's fight. Yeah. So frustrating. It's also those same
1: people who will drag you for asking for what you want. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend like that. Every time we go out to eat, it's an argument. because She's like, you're so difficult. And like, waiters have to work so hard. I'm like, bitch, I have to work hard for my money too. (laughs) Hence why when I say no Parmesan on my pasta. (laughs) Don't bring me Parmesan. Like, I understand we're all suffering. That doesn't mean I must suffer more. Like, No. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I, I'm often thinking like, who are you helping by, yeah. by forfeiting what you want to benefit nobody? Because the, the waitress is, is here thinking she's done a good job, when in reality, you're spiting her. You're putting yeah. a hex on her.
1: And you don't even have to be rude about it. You can just be That's like, it. hey, like, <laughs> can I return this? Cause I have, I'm lactose intolerant or like, mm-hmm. I don't eat
2: cheese. Like, people want to yeah. do a good job. Yeah. Give them the option.
1: And this is coming from me, a people pleaser, but I think I don't people please when it comes to my money because like, mm. I don't enjoy working. So anything that I pay for has to come to my standard. Like I just, I can't pay for something that's not up to my standard. Like I know.
2: Look, we're averaging 20 minutes per question. I
1: know. Right. This is how the game should be played.
2: Honestly. So let's do another one. This one feels like really timely would you rather live in solitude for two years or be jailed for two years okay what's the difference now i've got to put (laughs) i've got to put context for why i asked this question Mm. i feel like when like being a millennial is having conversations about being alone or feeling lonely and usually people conflate the two but they're they often don't intersect in that way. Yeah. So being alone is like the absence of people around you, the absence of contact generally. And feeling lonely is usually when you have the ability to connect with people, but you don't feel like you have connection points. You don't feel understood. You don't feel like you have the space to be yourself. Um, these mm. this that's more lonely. And so I didn't want to ask that question because I feel like um people get too literal with their current experience. So like, mm. because I'm currently alone, I'd rather be lonely. Because I'm currently lonely, I'd rather be alone. Whereas this, I've used being in solitude or being in jailed as like the, what's the word I'm looking for? As like the synonyms for it. So mm. being in solitude, right? That's living on your own, in your own space with the ability to move around as you please, but you're not going to have contact with people. You're in solitude, you're off the grid being in jail though yes in theory you are confined to a space you are not allowed to leave and move as you please but you have company and so I wonder I, I, when I was asking this question I wonder what people would prioritize their own creature comforts and the ability to move and have the freedom to go where they want um, and sacrifice connecting with people in the way they feel comfortable doing it or take away your creature comforts just so you can prioritize connecting with people
1: I think my initial I had two initial responses. My initial thought was well isn't everything a prison? And uh, then my second thought uh, Shut up. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> and then my second thought was well I like being by myself anyway. Mm. But then of course when I really think about it if I had to be in complete isolation by myself and this is like no social media or like talking to anyone
2: yeah.
1: for like a year is there a time, is there a time limit two years, for each. two years I think I'd rather be in jail
2: mm.
1: because isn't the beauty of life just human relationships like isn't that all we have anyway and everything else is just a transient illusion that's also just a prison so yeah I'm picking jail <laughs> what are
2: you picking uh, I'm picking solitude just because I have to think about it realistically, right? Okay. And this kind of intersects with my whole question or like inner musings of would I rather be misunderstood or ignored? Mm. There comes to a point where human contact for me- when I think about jail, it's not a jail with like, you know, 25 of my closest friends and everybody's on the same wavelength and we vibing, we're just riding yeah. it out together. It's you probably and going serial killers. You know, in an environment <laughs> where I'm unsafe, I'm probably not connecting with people in the way that I want to. I'm operating on fear or lack as well. Mm. Um, and I don't think that just having a chit chat daily is going to make me feel, is going to like be more fulfilling than oh it's going to override the fear and the unsafeness of that mm. environment and then also i'm very mindful of from what my understanding of jail time is moving so slowly you're stuck in like yeah, a bit of no, a it is. you know a bit of a time warp where like although your life is happening inside there it's the same shit every day and coming out into the real world and being two years behind out of Mm. your own volition, feels, like, so detrimental. And then also I was thinking, like, okay, once I leave jail, I've got a criminal record, so I can't just go about my business and live my life and, like, do the things I wanted to do, you know. But being on Okay, aside from the criminal record thing, like, just... (laughs) I don't, like, even watching jail jail TV shows, like, I watch Prison Break. Mm. You know, I saw Orange is the New Black. And for the most part, I don't know if I have the... Like, I don't know if I have like the, the fervor to, to be on top in that kind of system. Mm. And I also don't know if I have, if I like, my, if my pride will let me succumb to like being, you know, on the bottom of the food chain. Yeah. I feel like being in the real life on my own, even despite wanting to speak to people, wanting to talk to people, wanting to do all those things, that would be far easier than having to disregard my social standing in the real world, disregard my creature comforts, disregard the interaction that I want to have in favor of chatting to a hundred criminals every day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But okay. I still think I would choose jail Mm. because I think what makes life interesting is, like, compelling people. Mm. And who is more interesting than serial killers and psychopaths (laughs) and, like, maybe it's a random guy who just stole some weed. Like, you're just surrounded by people who just have all these interesting stories. Mm. And you can just have chats for days, you know? Like, I feel like I couldn't be fully entertained being by myself for two years. And, like, what is... The point of life, if not just pleasure and entertainment, like in jail, I can have sex. Um, (laughs) We can have chats. Like, yes, I'm eating jail food, but like, you see, best jail in life.
2: (laughs) I know. I'll be ordering Uber Eats straight for two years (laughs) while (laughs) you're here eating prison pizza. (laughs) Literally. I don't like because yeah. When I thought about the question as well, I had to think about like pre, like so. Like if we're talking about jail, I had to think about. Time before, time during, and time after. And obviously mm. to be in jail, I've got to have to commit a crime. So now I'm yeah. a criminal. Now I know I'm going to jail. Now I've like, know? you know, you I've know? thwarted my personal relationships because I'd be like, what yeah. the fuck, babes? Blue collar crime? What are you doing? White collar crime? <laughs> now I'm in jail. I would like to assume that I have the personality to get along with jail people, but maybe they'll think I'm too bougie, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's a bunch yeah, of Nazis really. in this fucking jail and they don't want to yeah. play with me. You know, I'm in Australia. (laughs) So there there are all these like considerations where I'm like, do I really value socializing that much? And no, I don't. I value good conversations more than I value socializing. So like I Mm. could say in like in a week that I'm not like out and about working, in a week where I'm just having to work from home and like create content, I'm only going to have conversations at length with Grace with my boyfriend and then with Bobo if we do the podcast. I'm not here just having, like, I have small, small chit chats. You know, a DM here, a a text here, a quick FaceTime here. But conversations at length are draining and tiring if they're not fulfilling. Yeah, and I feel like two years of just trying to be fake deep in prison. (laughs) (laughs) don't say fake deep in
1: prison. How can she say fake deep? That's interesting. Okay, so me... I feel like I I'm the bitch who's like talking to the homeless people in the train I'm like conversing (laughs) with the cashier I think also another consideration that I made is that in my day to day life like when I talk to people like at events or yeah like just in my day to day life I don't really find people that interesting But I find homeless people very interesting. Like the randos who talk to me on the subway or like in the park or the people who stop me for chats. I find them all very interesting. Um, And I just, I have a feeling that that would be prison people. But again, yeah, I don't know. I guess it does, this question does boil down to like, what do you value? Or no, this question is essentially... What makes a good life? You know? Mm-hmm. And for you, what do you think? What do you think are like the three core tenets that make up a good life?
2: Uh, good food and having access Agreed. to it whenever you want. Because I just don't know if I would truly be happy if I couldn't eat what I wanted to eat what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. I think having, this is like a combination of having like the means to like fund the lifestyle I want, but also having access to buy the things I want to buy. So like, to me, if I could have like a shed where I could just like paint and do my DIY, like not not live in a shed, but in addition to having a house, (laughs) having like a a space where I could like do my DIYs and paint and whatever, that would be awesome. But if Mm. there's no like Home Depot nearby where I can buy the things I need and I have to start using tree bark and sap and ochre from the ground to paint, it's not going to be exciting anymore. So like it's like having the money to invest in the things that you want and then having access to have those things is very important. Yeah. And then like comfort. Because I feel like discomfort is so pervasive and it ruins everything. Mm. Your output, the do you have, your perspective, like um, how hopeful you are, how hopeful you aren't. Like all of these things are so um, like intertwined with comfort and discomfort. And I feel like nothing is like that pleasurable if you're uncomfortable.
1: That's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. So for me i think what makes a good meal is who you're having that meal with more than the meal itself so if i were to choose between and this is coming from like a very bougie like vegan person or well i'm i'm not bougie per se but i'm a very picky eater so i feel like my my standards for food are really high i think even given that context if i had to choose between eating the best foods by myself versus eating the worst food with some really interesting people i would pick eating the worst food which would you pick wow i'd pick eating the good food <gasps> i'm shaking this that's is really so fascinating to me yeah that's so interesting but i also think for me i live In some ways, I live quite luxuriously, but then in a lot of ways, I also live like a peasant. So (laughs) I'm both a peasant and a queen. And
2: She has range.
1: Yeah. um, Your favorite lizard.
2: (laughs) You're a fossil. Our favorite fossil.
1: (laughs) No, yeah, I'm fully a fossil. (laughs) Yeah, so I feel like
2: it's interesting. Imagine you're a fossil and we're baby lizards. We're not even there yet. We're not ready.
1: I'm screaming you'll you'll get here you'll catch up
2: (laughs) well that's really interesting I mean that says a lot because I definitely prioritize like freedom and not Mm. even like freedom in the sense of like the freedom to dictate exactly how I want to do things I feel like within the confines of like not being able to speak to people I have so much freedom with how I want to live my life Mm. that I could still maintain so much of what I do without having to talk to people and still enjoy
1: interesting someone asked now that you've mentioned freedom Mm. someone in our facebook group asked a really interesting question about freedom i'm just pulling it up here so the question is what do you think is a better definition of freedom is it the absence of chains or the ability to choose
2: the ability to choose
1: wow
2: Mm-hmm. I actually
1: think I might pick the absence of chains.
2: Keep me chained in. Keep me in a dome. <laughs> it's the Truman Show. But let me pick what I'm doing within that dome.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I think, I remember Mukundwa saying this in one of her podcasts, that total freedom is just as bad as total slavery. Yeah. And so I think so I think in answering this question the absence of chains can be just as enslaving as the ability to choose yeah if it is if it's in extremes
2: yeah we love learning
1: i know this has been such a fascinating conversation right. i'm so interested in hearing what people think would you rather be in isolation or in jail i'm also gonna ask this on my instagram page do it well guys thank you guys so much for listening this has been one of my favorite episodes, honestly.
2: So fun. I'm learning so much.
1: Yeah, same. I feel like I'm spiraling. Like I'm <laughs> I'm going to stay up all night thinking about this freedom question. Um, thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Bogo and Flex. Follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on all the things. Join in. Let's continue this very philosophical conversation. What are your thoughts on education? What did you guys learn too late in life? Um, What are your thoughts on freedom? What are your thoughts on isolation versus jail? Let's discuss.
2: And most importantly, buy reflex.
1: Buy reflex, bitch. Especially now, now that it's quarantine season. And it looks like we're going to be here for a while. So get you some reflex. And remember, if you are not reflexing each question... For a minimum of 20 minutes. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't go deep enough. You didn't go deep. You didn't go deep enough. All right. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands.